In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, dear family, after spending hours yesterday pondering over our meditation for this morning, then getting up early this morning to go over it again, once again, I hopped into the shower to get ready, and a, new, a whole new focus of the meditation just came flooding in. And the good news about that is that it did not actually make today's meditation longer. It actually made it shorter. So here's the sum and substance of the new focus. Silence is complicity. As I put it in the bulletin before, as the great Archbishop Charles Chaput put it, for Pope Benedict, lay people and priests don't need to publicly renounce their Catholic faith to be apostates. They simply need to be silent when their baptism demands that they speak out to be cowards when Jesus asks them to have courage. Your family, silence in the face of evil is complicity. Well, given that silence is complicity, here's the big point then of today's meditation all whittled down. None of us is going to be able to play dumb when we stand before Jesus and pretend we did not understand his teaching. Even I was surprised to see that this was the third straight weekend gospel where Jesus talked about such things as Sowing seeds on bad ground, that was from two weeks ago. Bad ground like the pathway or, or the rocky soil or the thorny bushes. All where the seeds of faith and holiness did not or could not grow. And then last week was about the weeds sown amongst the wheat. Remember, remember how the slaves, the slaves of the householder came to him and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where have these weeds come from? And he answered, an enemy has done this. And let us remember what Jesus taught about those weeds among the wheat. I will say to the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles for burning. Well, then we have today's gospel teaching the exact same theme. The fishermen who bring all their catch together and then they throw away the bad fish. By the way, there's a huge lesson in this teaching, in all these teachings of Jesus, the real Jesus, teaching the real gospel. Huge lesson, huge lesson. Any shepherd of the church, especially, let's say, some shepherd who thinks hell is an empty place, should go back and read the real gospels of the real Jesus. Should read today's, for instance, where the bad fish get thrown away. I'm not, that's not me talking. That's Jesus. Or when Jesus taught about the separation of all the sheep and the goats. Or the wedding party. Remember that? Where the, where the guest is not properly dressed, end quote. Then the king said to his attendants, bind his hands and feet and cast him into the darkness outside where there will be that wailing and grinding of teeth. Each of the parables essentially ended with the same thing like is what we just heard in today's gospel. Quote, the, 
angels will go out and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be this wailing and grinding of teeth. That can't be a good thing. You know, Rich Man Dives, he kind of he reveals all we need to know about the fiery furnace and the wailing and grinding of teeth. So now after this three weeks of steady hammering of Jesus teaching us about exactly what happens in the end to the good guys, but also what happens to the bad guys. Then Jesus said something to the apostles that, that almost seems unbelievable. Quote, do you understand all these things? Well, let's ask ourselves, is it even remotely possible that after being taught by Jesus himself, these same lessons over and over again, after being taught parable after parable, teaching that, as we just heard again, the kingdom of heaven is like, he said it three times in just today's short gospel passage, is it even remotely possible that when Jesus turned to them and asked, do you understand all these things? The apostles could have said, well, no, I didn't really get that. Could you tell, tell it to me one more time? Think about it, dear family. Jesus is the best teacher of all time and all eternity for that matter. So if Jesus wants us to know something, if, he, if our eternal salvation depends on it, if he's going to go through all the trouble of the passion and suffering and death, the crucifixion, if he's going to go through all that, he's not going to leave us confused. We surely have to agree that Jesus, if he wants us to know something, he would teach it in precisely a way that we could, if we saw it, we would find. We would understand. In fact, if he really wanted to make a point, he'd teach it several times in several different ways, like, for instance, the last three weeks' worth of Gospels. Is it even remotely possible that the apostles did not understand? Absolutely not. Now fast forward to us. Is it even remotely possible that any of us will have an excuse for not understanding these teachings? Absolutely not. No one, absolutely no one is going to be able to play dumb when standing before Jesus and pretend he or she did not understand his teaching. However, there are many who have committed the sin of omission, so many seem to overlook this, by failing to make a decent effort, maybe even a slightest effort, to seek and therefore did not, have not found the truth of these gospel teachings, which is about the only good reason they might not understand, but it is not an excuse. Sins of omission are only the explanation for the ignorance, but not, most definitely not, an acceptable exculpatory excuse. Seek and you'll find. Jesus promised it. If we don't get it, we haven't sought very hard. Because he's not going to leave it obscure, impossible to understand. If our eternal salvation depends on it, <clears throat> he's going to make it clear. So let's get this straight, dear, <clears throat> dear family. The kingdom of heaven is not a kingdom where everyone 
gets a participation uh, trophy. No, your family, no. The kingdom of heaven is most definitely not a kingdom where everybody gets a participation trophy. Rather, the kingdom of heaven is a kingdom where only a few who did the will of Jesus' father in this life, who carried the cross of faith in this life, only the few will get the trophy, the crown of righteousness that St. Paul talked about. Everyone else, the many, get I didn't say this. Jesus did. We'll get bound hand and foot and thrown into the fiery furnace. Let us look then at the lives of some saintly people who live their lives striving to do the will of their father because they set an example for us to strive to follow. Let us look at those who believed in the real Jesus when the real Jesus taught there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for another. We have many examples just from the last century. A personal favorite, St. Maximilian Kolbe, who substituted his life for another. The person survived the camp. He lived to tell the story of the great personal sacrifice of St. Maximilian Kolbe. And we've all, most of us anyway, have seen St. Teresa of Calcutta in our own lifetime, daily sacrificed her life for the well-being of so many others. From our own diocese, we have the holy, holy examples of Father Joe Wojewski and Brother James Miller. Over a period of seven, several years, I, I spent a great deal of time with Father Wojewski. In fact, one of the times I think I came closest to death, I was letting him, I was letting him drive my Jeep home. I know he's surrounded by holy angels because how we survived that, I do not. The stories he told me about his mission work in Peru and in Bolivia were absolutely stunning. You know, he almost didn't make it through seminary, but he promised our Blessed Mother that if she saw him through it, that he would serve God as a missionary. And then he made good on his promise, living in poverty and frequent danger in Bolivia and Peru for over 50 years. The stories he told me. And we have Brother James Miller. Similar story. This one ended in red martyrdom. While serving God's children in Nicaragua, the left wing, there it is again, left wing, Sandinistas threatened him. And so his superiors pulled him back to the United States. Isn't it always the case? Radical and evil left-wingers doing what they do, just more summer of love stuff down in Nicaragua. Well, like my hero, St. Isaac Jogues, who was tortured but went back to try to evangelize the Indians and then was martyred. Brother James Miller, after only about a year, I think, up and back home in Minneapolis he was, he went back to Central America. He asked to go back, this time to Guatemala in January 1981 to teach in one of their schools down there. Well, there, Brother Miller devoted himself to providing job and leadership skills to these native Guatemalan Indians to ease the oppression that they suffered. 13 months after returning, on February 13, 1982, three hooded and masked men shot and killed 
Brother James Miller, in broad daylight, as he was standing on a ladder repairing a wall at the school where he served God's children. And several school children had, had to witness this murder execution. Now let's compare these saintly people with the ongoing disintegration of our country. Left-wing socialism, socialist evil. The last 11 vicars of Christ have condemned left-wing socialist evil explicitly, directly, repeatedly. The truth has been spelled out clearly and brilliantly by the last 11 vicars of Christ dating back to Pius IX circa 1850. Like Jesus in the last three gospels, they kept repeating the point, repeating the point, it's evil. And there's just no debate on this issue. Socialism is evil, period. But a family, we've just had a century of hellish malevolence in every left-wing socialist tyrannical government, which only proved the truth of what these vicars of Christ spoke. So no one, no one, absolutely no one is going to be able to play dumb when standing before Jesus. And every glorious martyr is standing by his side. They're not going to be able to get away with some pathetic explanation as to why they ever supported some godless left-wing socialist. We all know this truth. And yet, so many people out there have stayed culpably silent. Through willful ignorance, they just didn't bother to make an effort to seek and find or inexcusable self-delusion. Well, the left-wing socialists have gathered steam to the point now, the point now, when we are seeing rioting, looting, burning, and shooting every day getting worse around the country. The thing is, the thing is, dear family, it's not like we could not see it coming. But we'd have to be like that proverbial ostrich with his head stuck in the sand. We'd have to have blinders on to not see it coming. For example, six years ago, we, there's this example of the typical intolerance of the left-wing socialists. The news story reads thusly. A feminist studies professor, what does that tell you right there, right from the start? At a California state university, don't those two things go together? Feminist studies by a professor whose salary is paid by California taxpayers. A feminist studies professor at a California state university pled no contest. Now, as a lawyer, I tell you, that's the same as saying guilt. You only do that because you know that civil lawsuits are coming down the road. She pled no contest to three misdemeanor charges from her assault upon a 16-year-old girl who was part of a pro-life rally. This UC Santa Barbara associate professor was charged with one count each of grand theft, vandalism, and battery in connection with this incident involving this 16-year-old and her older sister and other pro-life activists who are holding signs in, watch us now, a free speech zone. This, this university had to set up a free speech zone. Listen. Every square inch of the United States of America is a free speech zone. Every single square inch paid for by the blood of a, a million soldiers 
We have free speech. There's no such thing as a free speech zone on a, on a especially on a taxpayer paid for campus. Every square inch of that campus is a, is a free speech zone. So the very fact that they have to set up something like a free speech zone is an abomination. And yet even within the free speech zone, this professor goes berserk and attacks a 16-year-old. Her own personal faculty webpage said she specialized, get this, in black cultural studies and pornography. That's what our taxpayer dollars are paying for out there. I'd like to say only in California, but anti-Christian extremists on campuses all over the United States and other places, ruthless and intolerant and even violent. We've seen the violence over the last couple months. And despite these three convictions, there were, they were convictions against a 16-year-old. This feminist professor of black cultural studies and pornography unapologetically claimed she had a moral right to act in the manner she did, according to the police report file. But her family, a blind person, could read the signs of the times years ago and predicted with accuracy everything we're seeing in our country today. It is godless. Let us realize, dear family, that every time we see anyone outside the church, obviously, but even more so inside the church, who not only refuses to speak up and speak out against godless left-wing socialism, or worse, actually and openly support it, let us realize what Jesus has been trying to teach us. Let us realize what the last 11 vicars of Christ have taught us. They taught us exactly what's, how that's going to work for them in the end. The angels will go out and they will separate the wicked from the righteous. And, and they will throw them into the fiery furnace. And there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Let us always have the courage, the courage to speak up and to speak out against godless left-wing socialism. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.